Hello. Thank you for joining me today. And today I will share with you some news. Um, one of the news, the first news is MSU training program uses uh, virtual reality to track unconscious bias. So yeah, so this news was written uh, was on WKAR.org, WKAR.org. And the news was written by Sophia Salibe. Uh, okay, so uh, Sophia Salibe. Hey, hi, Stefan. Hello, Stefan. Do you want to unmute yourself? Nice to meet you. Hey, finally. <laughs> cool. Yeah. How's it going? Good. How are you? Cool. Yeah. Busy week, but <laughs> glad it's. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay, cool. So yeah, so do you want to share any news you read or you just want to, you know, like listen to me because I find three, um, I find out three newses. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, do you want to share first? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that, um, that, let, let me just um, uh, talk about the news. The first news is MSU training program. Uh, uses virtual reality to track uh, to to track all unconscious bias. So pretty much, uh, it is in a campus, and the 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 software is called a mile in my shoes. So which means that uh, this VR uh, software wants to put uh, you in somebody else's shoes. So for example, if uh, in in a school campus uh, campus. Um, I think they uh, they are kind of start experiment this VR uh, technique in Michigan State University, and pretty much what it did was um, when you wear the Oculus headset, you uh, you see bunch of uh, avatars, right? For example, like man, man woman, uh, black, white, and also uh, different races and also a handicapped a girl. So if you choose that handicapped girl as an avatar, you will find out that a lot of facilities in uh, Michigan State University is uh, was not really friendly to that handicapped girl. Because for example, when that girl, if you use your, your uh, VR headset and trying to access the school campus, it's really hard for that girl to go to the classroom. So that is a very, um, you know, immersive experience for uh, for that software to, um, you know, allow you to to be an, uh, you know, a girl sitting on the wheelchair. So yeah, so this news uh, is in today's news and uh, it is on the website called wkar.org and, uh, um, the title is MSU training program uses virtual reality to tackle unconscious bias. Uh, yeah, Stefan, do you have any feedback or any thoughts about the news? Oh, I think that's great. Um, I have some colleagues up at the University of Michigan that I've worked with in the past, and, and I think they're brilliant folks up there, um, especially in the linguistics and genomics side of things. It's so cool to hear that they're doing a study on this. Um, and producing sound data like that. Um, I mean, just imagine 
a task like you you mentioned the the wheelchair bound person um and your task is to like just go to the store but the store isn't ada compliant right there's no wheelchair ramps or there's no ways to um complete the task that at hand like get the goods you need in order to survive and, and make it back home properly we don't I, I mean i have two working legs uh and hopefully will for the rest of my life um god willing but i don't i don't know what that's like to be wheelchair bound i can't empathize to that level i can imagine but going i was going to say walking through the experience but um taking myself through that experience I, I don't think you can truly understand something until you have gone through it um, and i think that's brilliant you know talk about uh just putting yourself in someone else's shoes and really experiencing it um, or getting close to experiencing a reality that they face every day so i'm excited to see um if there's any you know public applications coming out from it so um, I think it was great news, great news. What a, what a great application for it. And so mindful, so thoughtful. Yeah, thank you, Stefan. Uh, Ellen, do you want to share your thoughts? You can raise your hand and I can, um, you know, uh, let you to be on the stage. Do you want to talk about your feedback or anything in your mind you want to share today's news? Sure. Hey guys, great to meet you. Um, yeah, you know what, I, I joined in a little bit late in the conversation, so I've only heard part of uh, what you were referring to. Um, but yeah, as far as my, my background goes, I, I'm mostly in AR development, uh, HoloLens and things like that. I only recently got into VR, so I'm just kind of catching up on all the different uh, kind of applications regarding uh, you know VR and how that goes. So I, I do apologize. I'm, uh, obviously, uh, just on the topic, I guess, of what I heard as I came in, um, the the application, uh, it, it sounds pretty phenomenal. Uh, I know um, I, I know you never realize what other people go through uh, until, obviously, you're in that situation. My son uh, broke his foot a while back and he had up crutches. And so we, we just never realized how difficult it is to get around until you have to have crutches. And then, you know, even that is a little easier to access certain things. But there were just so many things that we took for granted until that happened, you know, and then realized, wow, this is, <laughs> uh, you know, this is one of those things you just, you know, look for afterwards. So, uh, so anyways, yeah, that, that does sound like a pretty amazing application there. So just my, my two cents. <laughs> Yeah, nice to meet you. I'm Stephen, by the way. Hey, Stephen. <laughs> so, Dominique, did they have anything um, that they were talking about in that article about, um, you know, uh, I think you mentioned cognitive bias, where um, I'm already predisposed through, you know, my uh, nurturing uh, in, in environmental variables and all that. Um, about potential race relation remediation? Uh, yeah, um, I, I did read some of the um, books talking about using VR to put you into someone's shoes. For example, like 
um, like an interview, right? Uh, for example, if you are putting in someone's shoes, for example, um, if you, your avatar is a black woman or, you know, different race and it's a woman and um, a lot of candidates, they will feel strongly, uh, you know, bias, being discriminated just by putting uh, the, the different color avatar and uh, different gender. So, yeah, so this can definitely help us to, you know, um, to um, uh, make our, ourselves aware of those unconscious bias and then, um, you know, help us to uh, be, be more inclusive of different race and genders. Yeah. Ellen, um, yeah, that's great. That's yeah. such an applicable problem today. Um, <laughs> I'm glad to see someone's starting to help solve that in a, in a real way. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I think this is very, very inspiring, uh, the app. We need more app like this. Okay, so uh, another one is uh, in nextgolf.com. Uh, nestgolf.com and the title is called Pentagon Preps to Experiment with Robotic Surgery Augmented Reality by 5G. So this article was written by Brandy um, Benson. Uh, the, uh, it's called, uh, yeah, so pretty much Pentagon is ready to, you know, to work on the 5G um, 5G robotic surgery. So they have different plans such as, you know, um, um, 5G enabled AR guide medical training or and 5G advanced telehealth information um, access. 5G teller and uh, teller, uh, telemonitoring by uh, AR and 5G advanced uh, teller robotic surgery for medical procedures. Yeah, so those are pretty amazing and uh, it will integrate AR and machine learning, ML, artificial intelligence, AI and robotic uh, machine integrate with 5G. So this will enhance uh, a lot of remote uh, surgery or telemedicines. So yeah, so Pentagon is working on this. So any thoughts, any feedback on this, uh, more like uh, remote surgery, uh, use AR and uh, 5G? Oh, I think it's brilliant. Um, what a great application. And, and what I think the real value out there is the 5G inside the headset. Because to me, what that means is they can offload compute to the cloud, giving you less hardware to deal with um, and if you can just stream those results you know using like a elsa or like a um, an api then holy cow you know your hardware dominic i think we were talking the other week about how annoying some of this hardware is for setup and it's heavy and you know next string and just the experience of, of the hardware um and, and part of that is like all of that compute on the device um, in order to, you know, render X, Y, Z, um, or like, you know, the, some of them in even order to have like, uh, Alan, I think you, you mentioned you worked on HoloLens or something. Um, is that tethered still? Uh, no, 
does too is uh, self-contained device. But on, on this topic, uh, it's interesting you guys brought this up. I'm actually working with a client down in San Diego to create a virtual uh, kind of a platform where the doctors can do procedures and train people remotely uh, through VR and AR um, on procedure, medical procedures. Um, and it's interesting because I've been following a couple different technologies. The HoloLens and Azure has a thing called uh, a, like a remote, I think it's uh, AR remote. Uh, and also I've been following Omniverse, uh, NVIDIA's Omniverse uh, and Cloud XR. Uh, so it's NVIDIA is kind of uh, getting into the remote collaboration kind of uh, technology. And with CloudXR, what, what they do is they use the NVIDIA processors on the back end to actually do all of the processing of, of content, and they stream the media into the device. Um, so input comes from the device. It goes into the NVIDIA servers that comes back as a video stream and that way they're able to show uh, content that's that's way above anything that the device itself can handle um, and again using 5g and some of the you know the faster bandwidths uh, that is all possible uh, currently so it's it's pretty exciting to uh, to kind of see where the, this technology is heading but um yeah well thanks for that yeah i had, I had no idea there was and video was definitely Definitely. Now, it's, um, I think there's a couple other systems out there. I know Microsoft's been pursuing that, um, but uh, but it seems like with the uh, 5G kind of becoming more available, um, you'll, you'll start seeing, like you said, the ability to have content rendered on a remote server or some type of other system, it allows for the, the wearables to be lighter because you don't have to worry so much about uh, processing so that the battery could be smaller, the actual interface could be smaller, um, you, you just get a better performance out of it um, if all the you know hard work is being done somewhere else. So yeah, it's uh, it's great stuff. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Stefan and Alan. Share um, a lot of your knowledge about the news, and I think that five G will definitely helps. Uh, you know all the all the hardware software connect more seamlessly and especially something similar to you know self-driving cars or you know surgery those stuff if you you know if you have one second delay someone might die right so i think 5g will definitely accelerate uh, those um, advanced um, technology another news is in prnewswire.com uh, the, the title is called Los Angeles Tech Startup is using augmented reality to preserve LA's invisible history. So this news uh, is written by, um, I think provided by Replay AR. Uh, so pretty much the whole concept is uh, doing time travel. We all know that time travel, right? So uh, you can be in uh, pretty much um, you can look at a lot of historical moment um, in uh, around LA, and then you use your phone as you know panning around the uh, your your environment, and you can see a lot of different videos uh, or photos. All photos were overlay on top of what what you are looking for. So I think this is a very interesting concept. And they said that it's pretty much Instagram meets Pokemon Go, 
right? Instagram, we know we swipe and we kind of look at uh, other people's photo, but Pokemon Go is that, you know, um, in um, um, our surroundings, we see a lot of little monsters uh, spawning in different places. So uh, Instagram, uh, pretty much instead of spawning a lot of monsters, it's spawning a lot of uh, different old photos or old videos. Uh, and later on, uh, I think they, they say they just raised uh, 350K uh, to, you know, to expand this concept, the time travel, time capsule uh, concept, which later on they will, I, I think they've already built uh, another software which allows um, everyone to capture the moment, maybe inside their house or, you know, in different parties, in different meetings, you can take your histo historical moment or you can put some old photos on top of the reality. So when you download the app, uh, when people scanning uh, scanning around the house, they can see maybe, you know, old grandpa sitting on the chair, right? And uh, when um, like some, some family member were young and they sit on the floor. And when you, you know, pan over that, you can see the photo overlay on top of that floor. So I think that will um, really enhance our reality. And I really like the concept. And before, I think a few days ago, I read the news uh, uh, from Facebook Research Lab they were talking about their future AR glass, uh, Facebook AR glass. They pretty much separate the reality into three different stages. The first one is called physical location. The second one will be more like an index or like, you know, some um, physical object located on the, the, the physical location, like some objects. And the third one will be the content. Uh, so I think those will definitely enhance the different layers of our reality. So what do you think, uh, Stefan and Alan, do you have any feedback for uh, uh, replay AR's AR time capsule on this app? Yeah, yeah, I, I have a couple of comments on that. I, I think it's awesome. Um, I, I've been looking also uh, recently into uh, uh, using point cloud technology. So I know there's been a little bit of research done and uh, preserving point cloud data as kind of uh, a historical uh, component as well. So, so in other words, taking a, a photo of just pixels of what's in front of you, the point cloud will actually be able to take kind of a 3D version of that and then preserve that for a future reference. So I guess the idea is that you could take a, a point cloud photo, so to speak, um, save that. And in the future with the VR, you could kind of walk back into that photo and see uh, how everything was exactly at that point in time. Now, I am sure the technology has to grow uh, significantly before that becomes, you know, everyday use, but it is a really, really fascinating concept. Uh, if you think about like the future, you know, what, what would a photo, photograph has been around for a long time, but what would be the next step in a photograph? And that would be a, actually walk through an environment as it was, you know, in, in the past. The other thing is, um, um, I thought about this a long time ago when we were uh, visiting a couple of historical sites. So I was traveling up the coast, and, and and you're right with the um, with the hidden history. Like there's so much history out there that people just don't see because it's all been changed or you know modified since. Um, the ability to have uh, you know something 
virtually overlaid on top of you to show you what used to exist here. Um, it, it just it's pretty phenomenal to me to to go to one of these historical sites and then be able to kind of reconstruct virtually what used to be. Um, and with um, geospace, uh, spatial kind of technology, knowing where I'm standing at one point in time, and then being able to take virtual content and lay that over, you know, and kind of reference it, um, that, that again is, is pretty magical as well. But, uh, but that, that all comes down to content, big people being able to create the content. Because a lot of that doesn't necessarily exist except for only in photos. But, um, but I, I love the idea. I think it's really, really cool. Same. I'll just add to that. You know, I spend a lot of time in nature and running and, and cycling and stuff. And I'll, I'll come across random sites, abandoned buildings, or you know, somewhere you like uh, the mining shafts. I'm on on the west coast uh, and through the hills. There's a there's still a lot of mining mm, residue. Uh, and like, what the heck happened here? You know, what was this spot about? Or when you look out and, and think, I wonder what our, you know, great, great, great ancestors saw before all of the buildup. So to have that virtual timeline where I can just scrub through and see what this looked like before we got here and, and then to see the change over time. That's so cool. Um, one of the things also, Pokemon Go was so successful in getting people out, like getting people active and to do things. And, and we saw an uptick in, in community um, engagement with it. And I think that's, there's something really wholesome there as well. Um, you know, not just for, for the knowledge aspect for the self, but also to, um, it, it's kind of collaborative. It's kind of, uh, not, well, I shouldn't say collaborative, but it's, it has a social engagement element as well. Um, so that's just my two cents. I think it's it's pretty cool. Or if you could like hold up your phone to San Francisco Gate Bridge, like, excuse me, the Golden Gate Bridge, and you know it disappears in front of you, and you can press play and you can watch it be built out over time um, and touch on certain points and see like, oh, this was so and so. Here's the architect. Here's how many tons of concrete and steel it cost in order to uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, the educational element for it as well. It's almost like you can, um, those, those big, heavy history books that we carried around as kids uh, can just be interactive now in a way. But again, of course, you have to do like, like Alan was mentioning, go to those specific points, those geolocations. Yeah, stuff. yeah I, I agree. Um, it, it's funny, I was mentioning the trip we took uh, about a year or two ago <clears throat> up the coast. So I, I live in uh, Orange County, uh, LA here. And um, I, uh, we went up to San Francisco, but on, on the way there, you know, it's a beautiful area uh, up that way. But I was thinking, like, almost the entire way, it's like there's a lot of historical sites here. Um, and, and of course, there are some that are very obvious because they're they're pointed out. But but there's a lot of areas there where there's there's probably history that you just don't see. And I thought even even as I was driving, uh, even an audit, auditory to some type of app where you know just an audio peak uh, component that pops up and says, hey, you know, you're located here right now according to the geo. But 
you know, off the left here, this is where they, they developed, you know, so, so these lands were used for whatever, and, you know, kind of just giving you historical information as you, you know, kind of go along. Uh, so it doesn't always necessarily have to be visual stuff, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of uh, different applications there, I suppose. Reminds me of, you know, when you go through a museum and you have the audio guided tours. I mean, why can't art, art be a museum? Exactly, yeah. And, and not to, and I hate kind of, you know, throwing in advertisements and stuff, but I do realize people have to pay for this stuff, like creating this stuff. But I mean, you could theoretically just make that a uh, an application where there there is some type of advertisement, some type of way to monetize at least the development of it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, it's just it's great, to, you know. And again, as I was traveling, I was telling my son some of the stuff that I knew because I knew earlier that some of the beaches up in Santa Barbara uh, that actually used to be stops for pirates that were kind of along the coast, and they would come up in, and there was like stories about how they would come up and hide some of their treasure and um, in some locations like that. So I would tell him the same thing as I was traveling. It's like, oh yeah, over there, there's Vandenberg Air Force Base. That's where they launched rockets and. And this is a beach where there were pirates uh, at one point. And, and I thought, well, it'd be great if somebody could tell me some stuff that I don't know as well. But, uh, but yeah, again, like I said, you know, the content has to be built. Somebody has to pay for that. And, you know, it's, it's always. Yeah, thank you, uh, Alan, uh, Stefan. Um, you guys, um, you know, like feedback, and then yeah. So that uh, those are today's three news. And uh, do you have any news that you wanna share or any feedback? Yeah, any anything? Any news? Um, yeah, if for me, not a ton. I think I'm following similar stories to what you just uh, brought up there, but. Um, but yeah, like, like I mentioned before, the uh, the Nvidia stuff is pretty interesting. If you um, uh, kind of follow what they're doing, um, they're they're trying to kind of take on the collaborative um, approach to to things. So the the Omniverse, uh, I guess, selection of, of tools that they have are kind of geared towards now moving into like real time interaction. Um, and I've actually played around with a lot of their uh, their samples. Uh, they have this really great real-time rendering um, where you can kind of from different uh, locations on the planet go in and actually work on a, uh, whether it's architectural, 3D, CAD, whatever it happens to be, uh, all in real time. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I love that because I, I definitely think that is the future. Of course, AR, VR, that's all the future as well. But, but the ability to kind of just everybody get together and work on one common idea, uh, no matter where you're located, is uh, is definitely cool. Um, and, and again, I don't know if you guys have played around with it, but spatial IOs is kind of cool too. The uh, the ability to kind of jump in a virtual environment and talk or collaborate on, on a, a central theme um, it, it is pretty neat too. So I don't know if you guys have played around with spatial IO, but it's uh, it's pretty cool. You know, I did um, a couple of months ago. I think maybe in September, I want to say, of last year. Um, now they, I, I'd assume they've updated it since. Um, I'll have to check it out again. Yeah, it's, um, I, I thought it was, uh, you know, it's, it's funny when I see these platforms, like there's a certain amount that I, you know, you realize it definitely 
is going to get better. <laughs> so, you know, some of the stuff I look at it and go, well, that's kind of clunky and, you know, maybe this doesn't work. But you see where it's going. That's, that's kind of the important part is it, it won't be very much time at all before it's, it's maybe kind of how people interact in general. So um, and that's kind of what I found in technology in, in general is that it happens slowly, but it happens quick. Like it's just one of those things where we're waiting for it, we're waiting for it, and then all of a sudden it's just there. Um, and, and for me, I, I've been in uh, augmented reality since 2009, so believe me, I've been waiting a long time for this to uh, to become relevant to everybody. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I think in 2009, uh, General Electric had a sample of augmented reality working on uh, Flash through a browser, and um, yeah, I was hooked uh, ever since then. So um, so yeah, but it, 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 it's all happening. But it's just interesting to see how it comes together. So, yeah. Um, as for special.io, I remember last year I uh, I got a chance to join uh, Charlie Fink's. Uh, you know, he launched a new book called uh, something like collaboration, something like in the future or uh, meetings in the future. I forgot the book name. It's his uh, third book. And then I uh, kind of joined uh, one of the, the workshop of uh, uh, like his, his, book, uh, his book launch. And one of the place we met was in uh, special.io. And then I think um, special.io, I forgot is special.io or author, A-R-T-H-U-R. Um, I think um, those are definitely really interesting. And I have to take a photo of myself, right? Like my face, and they will turn my face into a really awkward 3D, 3D avatar. Uh, I know like it, it's a little weird because it's, it's trying to mapping my 2D photo into 3D. And when I was there, uh, maybe last year it didn't it, it, it didn't really finalize, but you can still see like they are trying to accomplish a lot of stuff. For example, like uh, putting some some uh, stuff and trying to make it like a really nice conference room. Yeah, so that and and you can hear some people saying, and you can you know trying to teleporting and trying to probably join something. Right, like it's just initial, and then Arthur, um, um, I, I I've been there, but I think those are pretty similar. But I remember a few days ago I read a news that Arthur was doing something pretty cool. At first, they allowed more people to join. I forgot how many hundred of people, but they have another upgrade pro version which allows you know a big conference and the second one is that they had a you know like a certain area uh, which has a lot of blue bubbles it's kind of like you know teleporting or you know the quiet room so if for example if in a big conference room and you kind of want to talk with somebody privately uh, you can go with that person and go into that blue or, you know, weird uh, kind of teleporting area, like a phone booth. And then two of you guys can uh, join in that, uh, you know, that that booth. And then inside is a private service. So whatever you guys communicate, like the, the dialogue or the conversation is, nobody outside can hear it. So I think that is a very interesting thing that, you know, right now 
uh, all the remote conferencing uh, platforms are kind of start improving itself. And maybe in the future, if the COVID is still, you know, like um, coming back, then we, we probably will start our own, you know, business meeting or anything in that virtual space. Yeah, so yeah, what do you guys think that? Yeah, I, I think I, I'll definitely have to take a look at Author. I haven't uh, seen that one, so I'll, uh, I'll take a look at that as well. But uh, yeah, I think uh, it's interesting because I think even COVID, uh, as terrible as it is, I think it's, for the most part, kickstarting a lot of ideas and acceptance of, uh, of things that we didn't necessarily do a, a ton of in the past. And I, I know even at my company right now, uh, they were very reluctant to have people go into work um, I mean, to have people not uh, work from home. <laughs> they, they wanted everybody in the office. And then since COVID, um, we've obviously been working from home. But now there's actually a move to uh, move to a different building, actually a smaller location, and have uh, the developers working from home or uh, just coming into the office when, when necessary. We, we work on quite a few military contracts, so some people actually are forced to go in just for uh, security. But um, but yeah, it, it's definitely kind of changed people's perception of, of what that means to work, work remotely or to do that. So, so some of these uh, the applications or programs, um, like Spatial IO and Author, like it's it's just it's just the, the entry into what this may look like in, in the future. I, I think, and and I think what is necessary, then we'll have to have virtual you know conferences or virtual meetings, and and what is also necessary, we might have to meet. In, person as well. It's always great to have the option because I, I'm kind of old fashioned. I do like to go to places physically like uh, AWE. I'm looking forward to going to that again uh, in person. But uh, but I do like the idea that when I'm too busy and I can't travel, like to be able to go into a virtual environment, kind of experience the same stuff without, you know, the, the hassle of traveling on the plane, you know, going through all the uh, hotel stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I just uh, again, you know, my, my point is that you know, you have to test out the, uh, these ideas with the uh, with the avatar. You were mentioning taking a picture of yourself. I, I still spatial IO. I still hate the picture that I take. I've tried it like ten times. Uh, it still makes me look really weird. <laughs> and and also when you're interacting with people, the mouth moves and it's just it's a little creepy kind of. Um, but you know, I, I know they're trying to work it into the making it a little more realistic. Um, but, but yeah, it's just, it's going to take a little time to kind of work out all the little bugs. And then test out a lot of the stuff that we're looking at now, like it hasn't really necessarily been done before. So the question is, well, how do we do it? And how do we make it less creepy or less, you know, effective? And so a lot of it's just testing to see what people think and, you know, and, and go from there. So um, I know just recently the mall that we're close to over here, they tried out the security robots. They had the security robots kind of roaming around the mall. And as effective as they were, they had to get rid of them because people were just freaked out by it. They, they said people didn't like it because it was just weird. And so that might be the future, but you have to kind of integrate this stuff slowly so that people get used to it somehow. So, <laughs> so anyways. That brings up such a good point with um, Google Glass. You know, how many people, it, it was so early that, uh, and you spoke about the uncanny valley of humanoids, right, in virtual space and how creepy they can be. You know, there, there is that threshold. And how do we um, say, how do we normalize it? 
how do we kind of reduce that um, that dip into the valley where people would get scared and say, oh, I don't want to use this anymore. Um, because there, there's some great advantages to the tech. I mean, it, it helps us, like you mentioned, uh, still collaborate during the pandemic. Um, it is missing something, though. There is an isness that, that needs to happen um, within that. To, I, I don't know. Something, there's It just hasn't clicked. And I don't know if it's like real-time body language or um, maybe even, you know, biochemistry comes into play. The, the hidden variables of pheromones or, or body chemistry or whatever. Um, we are stepping in the right direction. I think there's a normalization that still needs to happen. Um, and, and how also do we mix the environments? You know, say Alan and Dominique want to work from the office, but I'm still at home and I need to teleport in. Uh, for instance, how, how do you have me in the same room in real time and treat me as like a, a virtual but physical people, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, one thing that Tom, you brought up was uh, kind of like note passing in the meetings. Um, and I don't know if you, you guys have ever uh, seen Get Smart. I'm sure, I'm sure you have. The cone of silence, like where you, <laughs> Alan, does this ring a bell? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's, I it's like two people go into the cone of silence now. You know, yeah. it's not just for one person; it's for two people, and you can talk amongst yourself and uh, <laughs> have a little coffee, I guess. And then, um, you know, the cone of silence goes away. Um, that's that's immediately where where my head went, and, and I think it's great because you know you do want to have those uh, sidebars. <laughs> during large meetings and texting is one thing, uh, you know, how many of us have our phones out as we're still present and, and texting other members of the, the meeting about, you know, Oh, how do we, how should we respond to this? And, and, and you know, it's just something that happens, um, during meetings and, and how do we still retain that sidebar? Those, I called it note passing earlier. Um, but still be able to focus on, you know, the larger meeting at hand. Um, I think that's a, that's a nice problem that they've identified and uh, have a solution to present, at least, to, at least to test out, because you guys are right, this is new territory. We don't know exactly what works, and, and part of experience design is well, just failing. Um, so throw something out there, see what doesn't work, and at least you're one step closer to, to what does. Definitely. Yeah, the other thing too, uh, as strange as this, this sounds, uh, we're, we're kind of limited to what's available to us. So we're limited by hardware, the devices, what the devices can do, we're, we're limited by software, what, what those things. So when this new technology comes out, it's readily available to kind of everybody, then it's that's when we start using it, start combining things together to make you know the actions better. Uh, but there's actually a lot of new technology coming out that it sounds very sci-fi, but I think it, it could actually be available fairly soon. And I know that the one that I saw recently, which I was amazed by, was the, um, the contact lens, the smart contact lens. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the company, but I watched their uh, presentation. Um, and just how far they are along in, in the, the, the actual reality of that happening. Um, and uh, there's there's quite a few other, other ones out there as well. but. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, you know that that's kind of the, the limitation, just figuring out what actually can be done and then how to kind of interact with those things as well. But yeah, I, I know about the cone of silence that 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 might be a, a way. So like, I would love for that to be there. But I, I do uh, I do like your your comment about uh, being able to combine scenarios. So yeah, like you said, if somebody's remote, but then other people are being live, how do you kind of mix everybody together? And I still think there's a certain amount of technology that needs to be developed to, to make that easier. But um, but no, it's it, it is uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, I think um, yeah, all those um, you know because right now we are still exploring uh, all the uh, technology in VR, AR, and we are still you know I feel like even though we've been doing this for. Uh, a few years, you know, it's not in its infancy, but it's still in its infancy, it's still not rocking enough for everyone to buy a, an AR headset. You see like Apple is still not joining the game. They, they are trying to develop something probably launch next year, but you see like Apple, Apple just launched like their AR kit, right? But they are not really, you know, like uh, pushing it. I feel like they are, they, they say they are pushing it, but you know, they still, you know, doing more traditional stuff. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, um, it's interesting with Apple because they are very picky about um, the quality of, of their products, whether, whether you like them or not. They, um, and I think they've done a really good job of making sure that the product they release, you know, is, is, a, is a great one. Like it has a great experience. It does what it's supposed to do. Um, so I, I know that by, by submitting apps to Apple, like they're super picky about whether this is a legitimate app or not. And, um, and so, yeah, I know that that's just the way they are. Um, and also too, I think like you mentioned first, given the, uh, the Google glass, it was a great product. I mean, it was just, it's just awesome. It, it solves so many problems, but the reality is that there's other factors out there that make it, uh, work or not. And, and it happened to be the perception of what that product was and who was using it that made it actually fail at the time. So I think Apple's paying attention to that too. So they're not in a big rush to jump into something, you know, that, that quickly that could potentially fail for other reasons other than just technology. Um, but, uh, but yeah, as far as uh, AR kit goes, um, I do appreciate that these companies are doing it, but also doing it slowly and organically. Because for example, way back when, when QR codes first came out, um, everybody around me was like, oh, we have to do QR codes. We have to do QR codes, the newest, coolest thing. And it was pushed so hard that they become kind of a joke in a way uh, because the content wasn't really great where people were being taken. But the, the thing that people didn't realize is that QR codes had been around for a long time before that and used in other countries um, where it was just standard everyday stuff. Um, so I, I don't like that technology is pushed really quickly just because it's cool or because you know it's the topic of the day. Um, I prefer it all to just grow organically, no matter how long it takes, but be successful someday. So um, AR has kind of been the same thing. Um, I've seen it obviously for a long time, and my my thing is just let it let it become you know, natural everyday stuff, but not like just overnight because that's where people get kind of freaked out about things. So I was hoping. That, like, for example, with the wearables, the, the fire department would start using it, the police department would start using it, the utility companies, and then people would start seeing that they're being utilized in normal everyday situations, and then now it's available to the public. 
And so it's just kind of more accepted that way. And that was kind of my, my hope is that that's the way that it would progress and, and not just be thrown out there for everybody to, you know, critique. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, very, very insightful. Yeah. Uh, Stefan, do you want to say something? Um, no, I think, uh, I think Alan said some really good insightful things there. Um, I, I will second the, uh, the appreciation for ARKit and how easy it is to like, just hop in Xcode and spin up a AR proof of concept in gosh, it feels like minutes now. Um, all you need is your assets and uh, some some direction and you can get something out the door really quickly and, and profound stuff too. Um, but uh, I, I think we have to see it kind of organically grow um, because this is good. This is a new medium in a way. Um, and I think it has a lot of potential. Um, and I say a lot loosely, I, I mean like a lot of potential. It can shape the way we, um, we see reality, right? Um, and it says significant I work in the cybersecurity space, so I think about, you know, psychops, or excuse me, psyops. Um, how can you then shape someone's reality? How, how can you protect against that? Uh, that can have detrimental effects. If, so, if you put something in front of someone's eyes, in front of someone's um, perception of reality, that can alter it for, you know, a bad actor's uh, monetary or information or, or data gain. Um, we have to do things slowly and, and methodically and, and make sure that what we're doing is uh, helpful rather than harmful overall. Um, so just some, just some side thoughts on that. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, Ellen and Stefan, like, uh, uh, two of you like really really bring up like the uh, you know like um, a lot of really good insightful thoughts and feedback and thank you so much i think our times kind of like um just my uh this i would say uh, the talk we do like a daily monday to friday and by the way, Ellen, if you want to be one of our regular, feel free to, I, I mean, you have to follow me and then I will add you to um, uh, all the events and so you can just access it if you if you want. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I think I'm following you currently. So yeah, sure. I, I appreciate it. That's yeah. Fine. Yeah, cool, cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. And then, yeah, so yeah, thank you for um, Stefan, Ellen joining us today. And I will see you tomorrow. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Mm, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, bye-bye. Okay, thank you, bye-bye. And I will see you, I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>